We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. In celebration of Women's History Month, our special guest today is Darlene Chapman Holmes, Director of Development at Women's Business Collaborative, WBC, a network of leaders who work toward achieving parity and equal position, pay, and power for women and people of color. I've known Darlene since her days at Discovery, BET, and NPR. And what I appreciate most about you, Darlene, is your consistency. I always know you'll have a smile, an honest word, and a humble heart. Thank you for joining me here on ROG, Darlene. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. This is just a delight, really. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful for the time to get to even know more about you and your thoughts on this topic that we both have in common of generosity in the workplace. So before we dig into that, just give us a little bit of your background, Darlene. So my background stems from, I would say, close to 20 years in the media business and having worked in cable television, having worked in radio for many years, um, where I was in the sales perspective of working and, and collaborating and building relationships with people in that area of, of sales and marketing. I'm a New Englander. I actually was born and raised in Connecticut in the lower part near New York. And then I uh, grew up actually and graduated from high school in Wellesley, Massachusetts. So Massachusetts area. Yeah, New England girl. All right. And I learned something about you recently that you have a twin sister. Give us a little sense of your family set up. So yeah, my twin sister's name is Kim and she and I are really close. I would say very close. Although since college, we haven't lived in the same city ever. And I came down to the mid-Atlantic. She was up in Rochester at school and then she moved right after college, like to work for Kodak actually out West. So she's lived on the West Coast pretty much all of our adult life. And, um, but we're still really, really very close. We're fraternal, so we don't look alike, but, um, She's a graphic designer. She works kind of in the creative field and um, we're both really close. And then I have a brother as well. Um, He just moved back here from Dubai. He was working at Emirates and he's now a pilot and works for UPS and lives in right down the street from my sister on the West Coast. So they're both on the West Coast with my mom. I'm here on the East Coast. So my dad is deceased. Thank you for sharing that with us. What an interesting family and, and, you know, the good places to visit and that they get to come east and see you. So currently you're the Director of Development at WBC, which is Women Business Collaborative. Tell us a little bit about what you're all doing in celebration of Women's History Month. Yes, we have a full plate of um, activities and events and reporting and data that we're working on. This month specifically, we've been celebrating um, all sorts of things. We started out the month um, ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange uh, last Friday with a lot of our advisory and champions in leaders council. And we actually just recently, um, they put out a partnership press release and we are doing a partnership with the uh, Business Roundtable on companies that have um, committed themselves to gender equity and the work that they've been doing. We've been partnering on that. And we're a collaboration just trying in this month and every month 
to celebrate women. Our mission is, you know, a collaborative alliance with all sorts of women, women of color, you know, men we have in our alliance that are really trying to elevate women and bring them to the place that they need to be. And we do it faster together because we're trying to get to that point where the parity and the dollars that we make and men make are equal. And so we work with Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, business leaders, um, all that are driving that mission of, of pay equity and gender equity. Mm. Yeah, so that better together and collaborative, it's literally in the name of your business that you know, you're talking about how do we bring the collective and look for specific ways to make lasting change. And one of the ways is the pay equity, which is not an easy task. So tell us about some of the specific pillars that, that you and WBC are committed to. So our focus is really working around nine action initiatives, and those focus on three areas with um, our women collaborative. Executive women leadership in business, under-representation of women in business, and equity for women in business. Um, with the first of the, of the um, initiatives we have, and we work with CEOs in leadership, we work with women in the C-suite and making sure that companies are aware of where they need to place women in the C-suite and on boards. Um, and we do a lot of research and data collecting and partner with various organizations and universities on those uh, reports so that companies have actual proof and compliance. And we have goals that we also set for ourselves and with organizations to make sure that they are reaching those goals, um, percentages that we want to see grow. And some of our findings recently with the women CEOs, last fall, we released a, a women CEOs in America report, which showed that 8.2% or 41 of Fortune 500 companies CEOs are women. And this is an improvement over prior years um, from that parity. And so we had set a goal for 2025 that the WBC is calling for 15% of Fortune 500 and S&P 500 CEO roles to be held by women and for 10% of those roles to be held by women of color by 2025. So that is just one of the things that we do in that space um, for executive women's leadership in business. The other is underrepresentation of women in business, and that includes access to capital for entrepreneurs, capital in finance, and women in technology. And as you know, there are many, many women of color and, and just women in general that have had to pivot during COVID and start their own businesses and do something where they have childcare at home and they can start their own businesses and work collaboratively together. And we do a lot with our, our LinkedIn Live series and our every 90 days we have roundtables and monthly roundtables and 90 day calls with our collaborative and our advisory so that women can get access to the information and just network about things. If you're starting your own business and you need capital for something and you're going to Wells Fargo or, or State Street Bank or some organization that um, can help you, we have people on our boards that work at those organizations and they help uh, women and women of color to access those resources. Um, we work a lot with staffing agencies and we have a lot of organizations like that, 66 partnered women organizations that we work with that really help to access people in the pipeline. And so that's mid-level managers and um, women and people that are trying to come up to the seat suite and make sure that those people, when they get in those positions, they want to stay and that companies 
have sustainability and, um, you know, are not turning over people every year, but really having an opportunity for people to get promoted and, um, and be able to, to stay at the companies that they're working at and, and really add to that company's success. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate you outlining the action initiative that WBC is committed to. I think that's so important. And for all of us as leaders to consider how are our organizations doing relative to those action initiatives, I'll make sure that that is a link in the show notes as well so that you can learn more about WBC, but also what are these initiatives? How are we doing? How are we measuring success? And set specific goals. That's something I heard you say loud and clear. We are very specific in what we mean when we say increase and how we're supporting women in all these different levels, starting a business or being in the C-suite or being in the boardroom. So that's the, these are really important things for us to be considering in our own organizations. And so from your professional experience, of which you've had a lot, you've worked in some incredible organizations. What have some of the experiences been like for you related to being supported in the ways WBC does for other people? What are some of your personal experiences with support and mentoring? Well, you know, I think early on in my career, I had worked for organizations that did support and had, you know, a fairly good representation of of training. Um, But it's very different now. I feel like the places that people are working now, there is an actual emphasis on inclusion. And there's definitely been in the last three years um, since George Floyd, I always say that was the big opening and the awakening um, for people and organizations to recognize how important it is for all races, for all people of color and people that don't look like you. And there are people that have every type of diverse um, aspect of their souls, you know, from their sexual orientation to where they come from and their culture. And it has been very, very important, I think. And it's been an impact on business where organizations and corporations have seen that impact on their business and they don't want it to be a negative impact. So they're taking the initiative. And when I was working kind of in those spaces years ago, it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And I think that the WBC is just taking that initiative to push even forward a little bit more and make those organizations and companies recognize that we have to move faster, faster together, collaborate, work together and move faster. So the needle is moved faster for women and women of color. Um, You know, we really make the world go around. And if we're not happy, (laughs) you know, you know, it's been known even throughout COVID, the amount of women, we just had a LinkedIn live series a couple of weeks ago on the great resignation. And, you know, companies are hurting because women are staying home and women have pivoted to say, I'm going to be taking care of my children because no one was helping me when I was going through this whole COVID situation with my schooling and all of the other things. So they're homeschooling their children or they're staying home more. They're finding ways to build their own businesses and be entrepreneurs. And so we're just excited that the WB is here to support women and women of color and and organizations so that they can learn what they need to do at their organizations to retain their talent and to train them 
and to get to the next level. Um, We just can't go back. There's no going back to the way it used to be. And it's really important that people see that having a diverse uh, workforce and a diverse perspective on things that you do in your business and the, and the you know, business decisions you make for products and services include everyone. Mm, yeah, so true. And when you're talking about retention, what are some of the things that you have found help to retain some of this top talent? What are some things that have helped you to want to stay at organizations that you've worked with in the past and now? You know, what what would you say are some of the ingredients to a workplace that is attractive enough that people would want to stay? I think it's really important for people to be heard. I think it's important for people to have a sense of belonging at their companies and not just be the side worker on the side, but someone that contributes and that they value. It's really important. And, you know, I think this new generation, they absolutely demand it. And other generations haven't. And they just kind of work and go to work like it's their job. But the new generation of this time and era really, really values what they put into their jobs. And they are spending a lot of time doing things on a social responsibility or a corporate responsibility level, much more than past generations. It's very important for them to have and work for places that have sustainable resources and that are green and that are diverse and um, allow all different types of people to work in their space because they're used to that. They've grown up that way. And so I think that's very important. Also, companies that have training, and I've been really fortunate working at MTV Networks and some of the other places that I worked where we they were vested in, in that type of training. And they allowed you to have professional training by being, in tra- being at a leadership you know, symposium or going to things for a whole year to help with your management skills and your leadership skills. And I was very fortunate to be able to, to do some of those things during the time that I worked in those fields. That's one of the things that the WBC does right now, just making sure that companies, if they don't have access to doing all of that training within their companies, they can have the membership at our organization where they can get that feedback and leadership skills and come to our summits and really engage with other women and be mentored and learn by going through all of the things that we have that we offer. Every week we have a 12 o'clock LinkedIn Live series on some topic that I'm sure if your company's not covering it, you know, we are. Coming to our summits twice a year, we have a, a summit in May and then we have a summit in the fall. We also have roundtables that a lot of our leaders need to sit and collaborate and talk about things that they're going through at their companies. And it really helps to address some of the issues they're not able to do right at their own companies. And they can collaborate with people from all genres at the WBC. We're also global. So we have many leaders and organizations and companies that support us with sponsorships um, all over the world. And that is something that's also really unique to companies that are global, that want to be with an organization that's like that as well. When we come back, Darlene will share about a significant experience with generosity in her career.
With years of experience, Moz Travels is a complete disability services consulting firm. We specialize in accessible travel and tourism. Working with governments, hoteliers and businesses, ministries of tourism and travel destinations around the world, we conduct accessibility compliance audits to ensure your place of business is accessible and inclusive for everyone. We'll teach you how to increase your tourism revenues and we'll train your staff how to recruit, hire and communicate with people who have a disability. Contact us at www.moztravels.com. That's M-A-A-H-S travels.com. And we're back with more from Darlene Chapman-Holmes, Director of Development at Women's Business Collaborative. When you mentioned your time at in, in the Viacom network and one of the places you worked was BET, and I know you have a boss who took a chance on you, promoted you early in your career. Can you tell us a little bit about that generosity? Yes. You know, I, I'll never forget. It was like as clear as day right in front of my face that I went in for this interview with Curtis Simons. He was the EVP of affiliate sales at the time. You know Curtis Simons. Um, and Curtis actually was interviewing me for a coordinator position. But when I got in there and interviewed, he actually told me he wanted to have me be immediately a manager and felt that my experience with just, you know, relationship building and collaboration and liaison um, among the companies that I worked at and the people in their departments, he thought I'd be ready. And I was, I think he had more faith than I did because <laughs> I was like, really? You think I could get on the road now? And he was like, absolutely. And I will never forget my first meeting was at Continental Cable in Virginia. And I went out there and my boss at the time, she was my boss. She had worked for Curtis for several years. And she said, okay, Darlene, I'm going to do it once. I'm going to do the, the first training one time and pitch, and then you're going to do the next one. And she just threw me out there and it was amazing. And ever since I didn't, I've never looked back and you know, he gave me that opportunity and I just moved basically from affiliate sales working at BT, going out to the West Coast to Discovery and then coming back to work for Nickelodeon and MTV Networks. And um, and then when I moved down to here to D.C., um, I was I was actually recruited to do similar affiliate work at NPR in the radio business. So it was really interesting. But all all of the places I've ever worked for, I've had really great mentors and people that have taken a chance. And I think that's all that people need. I think that really smart, determined, professional young people just need a chance. They need a chance and especially people of color. They need someone mentoring them because they may not have that within their family unit, but it might be a person at their job that that mentors them professionally and, and lets them know the things they need to do to get to the next level. It's really important. Even having a boss that allows you to stretch is really important and get out of your comfort zone because you can't grow unless you stretch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. And then I th- and that's another thing that can retain talent is people want to grow and we grow when we give. We also grow when we are stretched and we are given something that feels a little scary, but it's exciting all at the same time. So talk to me more about your perspectives on the return on generosity? Like what are some of the ways that you have seen the dividends of being someone who invests in other people's success? Oh, well, absolutely. I feel that whenever I have done any mentoring, I actually learn more from the relationship than I give. And, um, you know, I always felt, I've always felt like it's, it's just my service as a person of color and a leader and decision maker to be able to give back and do 
as much as I can to bring that next person forward um, because someone did it for me. And, and I haven't always had mentors that looked like me when I was at a high level or, you know, when I'm in that, that space where there's just not a lot of women and people of color there, unfortunately. Um, but there, there, there is starting to become much more viable resources for people to, to get that and to get that mentorship. But I've always made it my duty, actually, when I work to mentor those around me and specifically um, uplift people of color, Um, whether it's getting them internships at my organization. If we don't have an internship program, I made one up and I created it so that I could hire my friends' kids and I could mentor students and people that I knew just were looking for a chance. Um, And it's really our responsibility. It's, It's our responsibility as women, first of all, because we're in a place where we need to be able to lift each other up. And that's what the WBC does, help and connect and network and engage all of us so that we're helping each other out and that we can have our own boys club, if you want to call it. You know what I mean? We, we need to create those opportunities for each other. And, um, and so that's why I think it's really important to have that as a giving and generosity aspect of what you do in your career, not just work and get a paycheck, but do something for somebody else. And then I also think that empathy is, is, is a key element. Having empathy for your staff, for people that you work with, even for your boss when you need it. And, and grace is really key to working right now, especially right now when people are going through so many things and we're going through this pandemic. We have a war going on. There's just so much that is impacting people on a personal level and they need to have balance and they need to have organizations and bosses that have empathy for their situations. Um, This improves human interaction. This improves communication and it boosts creative thinking for staffs and teams when, when each of the people on your team have empathy for each other. Mm, Such an important point and something that requires time, right? That's, that's it. It requires time and noticing that people are there and that they're being impacted by all of these changes and to be compassionate and empathetic and really connect with them on a human level. That's what I'm hearing you say, Darlene, is like make space and time for people to just be, be available to them, encourage them if that's what they need, support them um, and really level with them. Each of our guests shares a favorite quote, and I love that yours is from your grandmother. And the quote is, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen more than you talk. Tell me a little bit more about this, Darlene, when she's shared that with you and what it means to you. Oh my, my grandmother shared that with me when I was probably an adult, actually, probably like in college. And um, and I've always taken it to heart and always shared it actually with people on my team when I felt that our communication was challenged. And I really have to remind myself as well at times, because I can be a talker and that, that it's very important to listen. And again, for people to be heard, it's really important to listen and to take the time out to consider other people's opinions. They're, they can bring things to the table that you don't know about And it's really important. I tell my children as well as my husband, you know, let's hear everybody's perspectives first before we make this decision. And um, because it affects everyone. I mean, on a team, when you're leading a team and you're managing a team, 
when you're making a decision about something you're going to do, whether it's a product, a service, a timeline, a deadline, you should have everyone's perspective. And that only comes when you listen to everyone's perspectives. And if people are not heard and they feel like you're just glossing over what they're saying, then they don't feel valued. And if they don't feel valued, they're not going to stay working for you. They're not. Um, Especially, like I said, especially today's generation. They really, they really are the radicals, the people that will stand up and walk down the street and fight for Black Lives Matter and and all of those things. You know, um, many times I know there were times in my career where I wanted to stand up for things that I would not say because I felt it was taboo or I don't want to be the loud black woman or what have you. Not today. People are so different and, and, and women and women of color and and people of color are taking time to really, you know, state their cause and they want to be heard. Yes. And make sure they're heard and reiterate their voice, amplify their voice, right? Understand their voice. Like what you're saying is recap, rephrase. And did I hear you correctly? Is this what you're sharing with me? How can I support you in that? Right? How, how can you collaborate and be partners in whatever it is that you're learning about someone? And sometimes people just want to be heard because it's cathartic and it makes you feel better. But other times people want to be heard because they really want something to change. In the spirit of Women's History Month and celebrating women in our lives, I would just love to hear off the top of your head, Darlene, what are some of the things that you appreciate most about the women in your life, your coworkers, your family, your friends? Like what are some of the attributes that you find most common in women that you really appreciate? I would say that I appreciate the collaboration. I appreciate the sisterhood that I have with so many women. You know, specifically here at the WBC, one thing I've noticed in just some of the meetings that I've been on with people that I've never even met in my life um, it's almost like a sorority. Like you just automatically have an affinity with these women and leaders and they just really take you in. They make you feel welcome. Um, and you just have a collaboration right away, just automatically. And I think that, you know, throughout my years of working and even in college, I've always found women to be very collaborative and, um, and very loving and nurturing. And it's something that I try to really possess. Oh, that makes so much sense, Darlene, because you do model those things very consistently. I appreciate that about you. I'm grateful for our friendship and the opportunity to get to talk with you on this topic that we're both so passionate about. So thank you again, Darlene, and happy Women's History Month to you. Thank you. Thank you, too. And I hope that we will uh, be able to continue this relationship, just as you being a part of our leaders council, it's going to be exciting for you to grow and meet so many women at the WBC. Ah, thank you. ROG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. There are so many things Darlene shared that we can take into our organizations and lives. A good place to start is to ask yourself, why do I personally care about supporting women in leadership? What is the value I have experienced from women leaders? What is the driving force behind why I care? You can know all there is to know about what the problem is and how to fix it, 
But if you're not fully committed to the reason why you believe women having more equity and authority is an advantage, then you're not really going to take action. It's like anything in life. Until we deeply connect to our why, our purpose, and commitment to something, information is nothing more than data. Information only becomes power when it's ignited by a commitment to change. For those who want to be the necessary change for women in leadership, let's ask these important questions to determine how well we're doing relative to the Women's Business Collaborative Nine Action Initiatives. Number one, do you have a woman CEO or have a woman in the pipeline who's being sponsored and groomed to be the CEO? Number two, how many women do you have in the C-suite and executive leadership positions with profit and loss responsibility? Number three, how many women are on your board? Number four, does your organization hire and support women-owned businesses as vendors and partners? Number five, how is your organization supporting women in capital and finance through partnerships and venture capital? Number six, what is the representation of women in the C-suite in technology positions? Number seven, what is your organization's formal commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Number eight, does your organization pay fairly? How could you find out? Number nine, how many women does your organization have in the pipeline for talent acquisition and promotion? WBC is very deliberate about measuring their progress on these nine action initiatives. Please see the show notes for specific details. In addition to these important considerations, Darlene also offered us advice on how we can be generous leaders daily. Here are three. Number one, be empathetic. Most leaders say they care about people, but how do you show it? Number two, collaborate to get further faster. We can do so much more It's faster and more fun. And lastly, number three, be a mentor. Who will you take a chance on? Join us next week for episode 77 with Fausta Ballesteros from Cognizant. Until then, stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.